Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And me, Lydia English. Lydia, you're back. I'm back. It's been it's been a while. You've it been um, demoted in the in the rankings of the podcast uh, I agenda. I know. We've had I'm a few consultant in, and then that's it. I've I'm kicked out. So we've um, we've obviously brought Victoria Garrett on board, who is new T2 consultant. She's done a couple of podcasts. Um, we've got me, Dave, and Spencer, who are part of the furniture, and we continue to do them. So it's like the other day, I was like Lydia. You've done two. We started building momentum and yeah. then, yeah, let's get back in. So this is a testament though to how far Lydia's come because I think she was a bit nervous about the first one, but she mm-hmm. was ultra prepared. Yeah. Second one, it was like, oh, I'll go with it. I'm still got my notes and I'm still prepared. Whereas this one, you're like, well, let's just go for it. <laughs> let's wing it. <laughs> and now that we're actually live and on the podcast, she's probably bricking it, aren't you, Lid? Yeah. <laughs> and the foggiest, what we're going to talk about. <laughs> well, what we're going to talk about on this podcast is uh, organizational analysis and surveys. Sort of the whole topic of measurement. And, you know, like there's lots of organizations who do employee engagement surveys, organizational culture surveys. We do things at an individual level, like Leadership 360s and personal development feedback, upwards feedback surveys, all of these great stuff. And it's all analysis. It's all designed to give us a bit of a SWOT, either on the organization or ourselves. What do we do well? What do we not do well? What's our opportunities? What's our barriers? What's our areas to build on? And it can cause analysis paralysis because, as we know over the time that we've operated with, many different businesses, organizations, public sector organizations that they, they love a good survey lid. Yeah, they do. And not just one survey. It's like survey after survey and then we'll yeah. repeat them every six months. And, you know, and, and it's great. But I sense, and I'll, this is the first question I'll bring you in on. I sense that if they're not done properly, if they're not well thought through, if they're not targeted at the right people, if they don't ask the right questions, and if the results you gain from them don't, result in action and change yeah people become pretty skeptical about them definitely and participate in them in them the longer they go on it, yeah. oh it's another bloody survey yeah We've, we, the, the last one came out two years ago and this hasn't changed since then do you know what i mean yeah so i think they are incredibly useful i'm going to talk about it on this podcast but would you agree they can equally become almost like a gimmick they can become the, the the value can be diluted if organizations don't use them effectively yeah definitely i mean like you said it can it can become a bit overkill if you know we're sending out servers left right and center and especially if they're not seeing any change going on in the organization as well it's like oh another survey you know is actually that me filling this in going to make any difference and people get bored of of, of doing them do you think people also worry about answering them objectively. Yeah, definitely. I think people think, right, so if I'm going to answer this honestly, I'm actually, am I going to get... Yeah, is this going to go against me? Exactly, further down the line. And so I think there is a bit of scepticism around them in that respect, whereas people are like, right, you're saying this is anonymous, but actually is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's somewhere in the ether of the back end of the system, my name's going to come up as I answered this question as 
you know, needs improvement and then that's going to go against me for my career progression or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a trust. So I think that's the first point. We need buy-in and trust yes. to do effective organizational analysis and surveys. The fact that I can answer these questions completely, independently, honestly, and I'm safe. Yeah. That's really important, isn't it? So, so the first thing is don't overdo it. The second thing we've discussed already is if there's an absence of action as a result of the, of the output, yeah, people will very quickly become disengaged from them, yeah, and you won't you won't get the buy-in for future surveys. Um, and thirdly, you need to build an element of trust and understanding around, you know. Um, how anonymous these surveys are and how confidential results are kept. Yes. And it's not going to come back on you. Yeah, thing. exactly. So let's look at, I mean, we've we've developed our own, obviously, diagnostic tools here at T2 on the Hub. We, yeah. we're, we've got the ability to do any organizational survey from a cultural one to an en- engagement to a team analysis to a temperature check right down to an individual 360 or, or, yeah. or, or gap analysis survey. And... Um, you know, I think I think organizations need to think about how they deploy them, where they deploy them, and how they communicate them because they can be your greatest tool. Yeah. Without question, we've seen that. They can be your greatest tool. Or for the reasons we've already discussed, they can become a challenge. Yeah, exactly. So I think it might be worth exploring, like, what organizations get wrong mm-hmm. versus what the organizations who drive outcomes do right yeah the first thing i'm going to put into the mix lid is the the audience who you ask yeah do you know what i mean by that no so um don't cherry pick the audience who are going to give you the answers you want to hear Uh, i get yeah okay yeah so it's dangerous in my opinion to go oh let's do a cultural survey Mm mm-hmm but we'll ask these three departments who are really happy yes. and, and are our top performers. Yes. And okay. we won't ask the basket case department where everybody's leaving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because because that'll dilute our our impact and yeah. we want to promote a great place that, to work. That'll bring our scores down if we <laughs> ask that department, yeah. And I think that takes bottle to be able to go, let's ask a plethora of departments and actually we're going to really engage the ones who we think aren't unhappy yeah. or the ones who do have problems or the ones who will speak their mind. Yeah. I still think, I don't know if you agree, I still think too many people cherry pick the audience. Definitely. Yeah. Cause you're not getting a full picture if you're cherry picking. And just like the opposite direction, you can't just pick the ones who you think are going to be challenging and who have problems. Yeah because all you will get is the negatives. So balance is the key, isn't it? Yeah. Try to reach, if you're gonna do an organization-wide survey, you need to have enough people participate from enough departments, yes. from different like different standards of performance yeah. to get a balanced view. Yeah, because really, if you're measuring organizational culture, you want, you're measuring the culture of the entire organization. So just cherry-picking certain departments, you're not gonna get the full picture of what's going on. How, let me ask you a, a bit of a practical question. In your experience, you've done a lot of them. You've created a lot of hours. 
how many questions should be in a survey? Now, you might say it depends on the nature of the survey, but yeah. would you agree that there can be too many and people become sick of answering Definitely. question after question, but there also can be too little? Yes. I mean, really, I would say maximum 50 questions, maybe. For an organisational one. For an organisational one. For one, say you're doing a 360 one, maybe about... 20 to 30, I think. I think also in the past when I filled in surveys, you get those questions which are, you, they're asking the same thing. So you answer a question and then 10 questions later, you're like, right, well, I've already answered this. Yeah, because it's too similar. Yeah. So make sure there's a distinction between questions. Yeah. Or as much distinction as you can. Yeah. So you feel like you're ask, answering a different question on yeah. a different matter. And also with, with surveys, it's, a good idea to divide them in into sections as well so you, you kind of avoid that issue of repeating yourself have distinct sections of what what you're measuring you do this quite well so if you're going to have a 50 50 question survey break it up into five segments of yeah. 10 questions so right my first 10 are on communication my second 10 are on reward and recognition yeah all of that so actually i can navigate my way through the survey in segments yes and it keeps me in that space of this is where I'm at at the minute and this is where I'm transitioning, rather than just 50 questions one after the other. Yeah, it just gets a bit boring, doesn't it? And also doing that helps once everyone's completed it, it helps with the analysis and makes it much simpler and you can see the patterns of you know of your results. Yeah. So organisation-wide, no more than 50 questions over three to five sections. Yeah. And personal feedback surveys, whether that's management, 360s, whether it's general, you know, gap analysis for my individual development plan, 20 to 30, maybe. Yeah. Still put them into segments, maybe. Like, yes. So on a personal one, you could say, right, seg segment one is self-awareness. Mm -hmm. How self-aware am I? Segment two is how well do I collaborate with others? Yeah. Segment three could be how well do I execute upon my job, mm -hmm. my job role? Um, so yeah, split them up into segments and think about the questions. If you're, if you've got an organization survey with no segments and it's 80 questions long, people are going to get bored and switched yep. off very quickly and not know where they're at, where they are yeah. or the nature of the questions or why they're being asked in the order that they're being asked. Yeah. And that of course affects the accuracy of the results. Because you know? people just end up pressing buttons. Yeah. On that then in the way, so I find it fascinating lid in terms of the way, the, the, the different types of where you can answer a question. Mm-hmm. You you can make it very simple, like uh, here's the question and there are five answers from yeah. strongly disagree to strongly agree mm -hmm. and anywhere in the middle yeah. or poor to excellent and anywhere in the middle. Or you can, uh, you can pose a question in a survey and let them answer it in the way they want through a comments box. Yeah. Or a mixture of both. Mm -hmm. What's your view on that to, for, for simplicity and getting the right results you want? I mean, in terms of simplicity, the having your answers on a scale, strongly disagree, strongly agree, for example, is a good way to go. It makes analysis a lot easier. However, some people, if they're not engaged in the survey, they might just pick the middle option. Neither, Safe option every time. Neither agree or not disagree. Yeah. So you're not going to get any valuable data that way. Um, on the other hand, if all your questions are ones which require people to leave a comment, people are going to get bored yeah. again. Um, so it's good to have a mixture of some. However, 
from an analytical point of view, if you're, it's harder to analyze when people are writing comments as yeah. well. So you need for simplicity of immediate scores and gap analysis, hmm. have the, have the strongly agree, uh, sorry, strongly disagree, disagree, neither agree or disagree, mm -hmm. agree and strongly agree. Yeah. So I've got five options there and it's a simple sliding scale. Yeah that I can choose. I prefer, I actually like the one where we can go, um, you know, poor, needs improvement, satisfactory, good or excellent. It's yes. the same principle. Yeah. However, it allows me to pick a score and then if there's a hundred participants, that's a very quick algorithm that puts together a, a, an average score for each question and I've got my gap analysis straight away. Yeah, exactly. What we do here at T2, don't we, which I think is the nice balance is we provide an, op an option to activate a comments box on the questions. Yes. So if there's five questions out of the the 50 that we really want feedback on, mm -hmm. we will activate a comments box, which means they still pick the score, the sliding yes. scale, but they can add extra comments for context. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. And you wouldn't advise doing it for every question, but where you think there's particular questions you want feedback on, just yeah, activate a comments box on them. want a bit more them. clarity on certain certain areas. Yeah. All right. So that's that's the, that's some discussion around the structure of the survey. One of the biggest pieces of feedback we get is people are frustrated at the lack of action. Yeah. After a survey. Yeah. So this survey comes out. We all complete it. We get the results at the latest management meeting or the you know. And the, the the broadcast to the organization, this is what we're going to focus on. This is what our survey is telling us. And this is what we're going to make a conscious effort. Six months later, it doesn't feel like anything's changed. Yeah. This is the most important message of this podcast. You have to act. You have to show that you are investing in, working on, developing the areas that have come out in this survey. So people feel like they are being heard. Definitely. Yeah. Otherwise, you, you, the opposite happens. Mm. And I'm just going to ask you a question about a model that has sort of been developed to be able to try and deliver that, which is the Kirkpatrick model. Yes. The Kirkpatrick model, to my understanding, is a simple sort of pyramid where it says, if you've done a survey and highlighted gaps, and then you have actually sort of either delivered some training yeah. or invested some money or made some change as a result of that. Yeah. The Kirkpatrick model is a way of then measuring the organizational impact or results further yes. down the line, isn't it? Yeah. And there's four stages to that, isn't there? Yes. Reaction. So, reaction. Which is basically, how what have we done? How have we responded since the training or the investment or the decision? Yeah, it's like the initial reaction from the training or the action. What yeah. did you think of that? Yes. What was the initial response? Yeah. The feeling in the organization to us, and well, it's usually around training is the Kirkpatrick model, but I'm going to still use the model in the context of, let's say we've had a survey and it's told us something and we've made a change or a decision. Yeah. What's the initial reaction to that? Yeah. The second level is learning. You know, how much did we learn from that and how have we improved as a result? Yeah. So we've got to measure that. Level three is behavior. This is an interesting one. You know, how is, how, what's the changes in people's behavior as a result of this? Yeah. Is it positive? Are we seeing habitual patterns of behavior actually start to come to fruition in the workplace? Yeah. 
And the final one is results, which I think is the most important. Yeah. What are the benefits, the tangible results we have seen as a result of this investment change or training? Yeah. Four steps. Now, do you, how do you measure that? Is it more surveys? Is it observational? Is it through managers' meetings and feedback? Yeah. I mean, it's a mixture of both. So I think the first two segments of it, so your uh, reaction and your learning is done through surveys. So you're getting the initial reaction from somebody and then you're also testing kind of what what knowledge they've gained or, you know, actually what's happened. Yeah. Do, do they feel more knowledgeable about, knowledgeable about this area? Yes. Do they feel more empowered, more confident in the organisation? Yeah. yeah. The next two sections, they're more difficult to measure because it's it's how, how do you measure someone's behaviour? Mm. Yeah. It's observational a lot of the time. Yeah, exactly. So there you're kind of relying on the feedback of, say um the manager of a team or the peers yeah exactly yeah because yeah. it, it's hard to kind of measure your own behavior and whether it's it's changed over a period of time results is more tangible though results is more tangible so that's kind of whether the action you've taken is making the results to the organization as a whole so are you has your sales increased yeah uh, yeah as the sales increased uh, um how are we um you know, as our technology adoption across the employees in, increase and more people using our systems and being yeah. compliant. Yeah. There's loads of different, have we reduced costs? Yeah, productivity even. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if you're an IT company, for example, have we reduced the amount of open tickets yeah. that are currently pending? Yeah. Are we answering customer calls quicker? Yeah. You know, all these things can be measured as results and outcomes as a result of whatever that investment training or change has happened as a result of the initial diagnostic. Yeah. So it's almost like what I'm playing into this is what I'm like, what it's like is most organizations fall down because they do all of these surveys. They spend a lot of money sometimes with organizations to do these surveys, which still blows my mind, (laughs) right? You can spend six figures with a KPMG or an Accenture or a Deloitte. Yeah. They write you a 50-page report to tell you what you already know. Mm-hmm. And then you go, we've done that. We're really informed and we know what we're working on. Yeah. But unless you continue the diagnostics and the check-ins post-decision, post-action, yeah. Yeah. how do you know what's well, exactly. And that's where the Kate Patrick model comes in because it's saying it should never stop. This no. test, test and action, test and action, test and action. It's like, are we deriving the value? both behaviorally and tangibly from the initial, what the initial diagnostic was telling us. Yeah. And that's the only way you can really do it. It doesn't stop at the completion of the initial surveys. No, exactly. There's no point in investing your money into, you know, distributing surveys, um, you know, investing in technology, which allows you to send out the surveys for you to get results back and go, oh, that's interesting but then do nothing about it. Yeah, and and it's alarmingly common in yeah. organizations. I think um, the great leaders that we've observed are the ones who, who do a really good job of communicating this. So it's like they use this like um, communication around. So back in 2019, you told us this. Yeah. On the back of that, we invested and took action on X. Yeah. We've now resurveyed and re checked and we have achieved x y and z yeah which has significantly advanced our organization forward and plugged those gaps yeah so they're they're storytellers 
And it always has to start with back in so-and-so time, you told us this. Yeah. As a result, we have acted. Yeah, we, have we have taken action by doing these things. And now today, as we sit here, the the survey that we've redeployed is now telling us this and the yeah. picture is much brighter. Yeah, we've made a difference. And these are the tangible results of the business that we're delivering. Yeah. That's got to happen because then the next time you want to survey or the next time you want to carry out something like this, you're going to have maximum buy-in because people remember last time we did this, things happened. Yeah. Things changed and that's positive. Yeah. So I guess, I guess what we're saying here, ladies, this, organizational analysis and surveys can be your greatest weapon mm -hmm. or they can actually be a big enemy for the organization yeah. when, when people start to become completely disengaged from them and not believe in them. And you, you hear it on the shop floor. Oh, here we go. Another survey. Yeah. Here we go again. I, I can't remember what, you know, we haven't done that anything since the last survey, but we'll do another one just yeah. to, just to make sure. Right. They can be your greatest you know, ally in terms of driving organizational performance and engaging people. But in the absence of action, they will become your biggest enemy. Yeah, exactly. The way to do that is to think about the decisions you make and the actions you take on the back of the analysis and to, you know, make sure you follow, whether it's the Kirkpatrick model or any type of model that says, how do we measure tan tangible value? How do we be able to do that so we can be a storyteller? And, and link back and communicate to our people. You told us this. Yeah. We took action on this. And as a result, we've achieved this. Yeah. That's what organizations need to do. And that's what companies like ours, Lid and T2, were, were constantly banging the drum on. You know, you've got to do something with this data. Yeah, exactly. Well, what is that? How do we work through that? Cool. Any other comments on organizational analysis and surveys? One, one question I was going to ask you before we wrap up, Lid, is, we're talking a lot about in-depth surveys. Yeah. But they all don't have to be in-depth. No. Is there a place for very quick snapshot, quick fire, temperature check type set surveys that say, where are we right now or in the yeah. last 30 days? Or how does the team feel right now? Or do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even some self-analysis. How do I get a bit of a current picture on how well I'm dealing with pressure? Yeah. We, what do we call them? We call them quick assessments, don't we, or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's good to get that quick snapshot of what, what's actually going on in the moment because, you know, as we know, things get really busy, don't they? And people people are getting on, they're doing their jobs. However, it's taking that time to sit back and go, right, let's just see where we're at now. Yeah. Actually, are there any problems? If mm. there are, let's action them. And, and that can be them. week to week, day to day. Yeah. You know, what we've been talking about traditionally on this podcast is, bigger surveys about the state of play in the organization or the yeah. current culture or the current whatever it might be. What we're talking about here sometimes is some of the best leaders just check in every now and then and go, right team, can you just fill in this? It's going to take you five minutes. Yeah. Over the last 30 days, how would you answer these questions? Where were we at? Yeah. We sometimes call them temperature checks or mm. little, you know, we do one on the five dysfunctions of a team where it's like trust, healthy debate and discussion, commitment, you know, accountability and results. How do people in the team feel like we're tracking against these five dysfunctions or functions right now? Yeah. And that can change quarter to quarter. Yeah, Depending definitely. on environment, depending on results, depending on things like the pandemic, whatever it might be. Yeah. So don't just 
feel like it's the big organizational stuff, little temperature checks and little check-ins yeah. can also give you a really valuable update on where we are right now. Yeah. So not even from just a work perspective as well, you can do it, you know, go down the, the mental health route, actually. How, what's, how resilient am I right now? Yeah. Yeah. What's, you know, the general well-being of, of your team? Because you could, have, we all laugh and joke here, you know, we know a lot about resilience and mental health, but we all have our periods where we feel overwhelmed or yeah. out of control. And like one week, you might answer that well-being survey on the Friday and go, this week's been a good week. Mm -hmm. I'm in a good place. Yeah. I'm on top of my to-do list. Looking forward to the weekend. Life's great. Yeah. The following Friday, yeah. it might be, oh my God, I haven't even caught up. I'm stressed out to my eyeballs. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm not sleeping very well. Yeah. And I'm, I'm at the opposite end of the scale. So just doing that little, where am I right now? Yeah. And we've, we're working hard out to develop these on the hub around giving individuals the opportunity to just privately, mm. in their own time, just... Just see where they're at. Where am I at? Yeah. Where am I at from a resilience, well-being, mindset, mm -hmm. confidence, perspective, you know, um... And that's really important as well. So if, if you're listening to this and you want to check out some of these self-assessment surveys that are yeah. on our hub and you can go to the quick quick, quick assessments and surveys and you'll be able to just see what we've got on the library and if you want to find out a bit, a bit about yourself and where you are right now. Yeah. Cool. Lid, that's 25 minutes. I think in summary, organizational analysis, surveys, we feel like we're bloody surveyed up to the max at the minute. You know, every organization's <laughs> yeah. dishing them out left, right, and center. They are a great tool. Think about how you're using them. But the main point is in the absence of action, you're going to lose your people and they're going to lose their impact. Yeah, exactly. What are you doing post-survey? Assuming you've got the survey right with the right amount of segments and questions and you're asking the right audience, which we discussed at the yeah. start, what are you doing with the output? Yeah. You need to do something with the output and then measure the results and the behaviors that that's that that you're observing as a result of that action and those decisions yeah you've got to it's a continuous process exactly and then going forward it puts gives people more confidence when they're answering them in the future and you're going to get better results they know they work for an organization who will listen yeah and action as a result of whatever comes out of those surveys and whatever the organization is telling the leadership team yeah. you know we care we want things to improve. So here's the decisions, here's the investment, here's the action. And we're going to continue to measure that and make sure that it delivers upon our promise. Yeah. And that's what the best leaders do. Mm -hmm. Lydia English, thank you very much. Thank you. And we'll be back shortly with another T2 Hubcast.